Thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to www.slack.com to learn more. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. If you are living with us here somewhere in the United States, happy Independence Day and week. This episode was taped last week because some of us are out on break, and I'm really excited to share with you a Rule Breaker. This is an interview with McKenna Hassey, or as she says, Hassey, which rhymes with sassy. And sassy she is, somebody who is very comfortable trying new things and achieving at a high level. What you're going to learn in my time with McKenna, well, I'll leave most of that to the actual conversation, but I want you to know that she is a sprint car driver. She's 20 years old. She is enrolled at Drake University as well. She also has a couple businesses going on the side. She is a long-term thinker and actor about money, an investor, and clearly a rule breaker. Somebody who looks at the world and says, maybe I'll try something different and succeeds. I hope you enjoy my conversation with McKenna Hassey. And now, let me welcome McKenna Hassey to Rule Breaker Investing. McKenna, what a pleasure it is to have you with us this week. Thank you very much for having me. McKenna, you are in Fresno, California, I believe, as we speak. What are you doing in Fresno? I am out here racing um, in a big micro sprint car race called California Speed Week. Um, it's a, well, I'm racing three days, but it's a four-day race out here uh, that happens all week, and then I'll fly back to Iowa and race there on Saturday. That's tremendous. Now, uh, I want to get into racing in a sec, and we're going to talk investing too, since that's a big part of this show, and I know an interest of yours. Uh, but let's start much earlier on. Can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how you got to be the person you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So, I was born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. And um, growing up, uh, I was always into business, but I tried just about every sport imaginable. And <laughs> I started driving race cars uh, when I was 13 after meeting a NASCAR driver in a shopping mall. And that's kind of what sparked my career. And um, I just kind of moved up the levels and now I'm racing um, sprint cars at Knoxville Raceway. So, it was who was the NASCAR driver? Casey Kane. Casey Kane. And it was a chance meeting in a mall? Yes, he was there signing autographs and I was there eating dinner. And <laughs> um, I kind of wandered over to see what was going on and it was over, but uh, he thought I had came for his autograph, so he kind of followed me um, to make sure I got one, and we started talking. Then I started following him after that and became a NASCAR fan, and through NASCAR, I found sprint car racing and became a sprint car fan and just happened to live in sprint car capital of the world and started going to Knoxville, and then uh, one day got behind the wheel. Wow. So, what is it? what was it about you that had you trying out every different sport? My sister, she was always big into softball and um, dance and stuff like that. And so I tried her sports too, but we were kind of opposites. So I always tried to do the opposite of what she did. So I tried like, you know, snowboarding and rock climbing and taekwondo and golf and um, just all these different, different things. But I think at the end of the day, like a lot of the sports, like basketball and volleyball and all that stuff, like I played it for a long time, but I never really truly liked it. So I think I was just kind of looking for something that I, I really love. Um, which turned out to be racing. And let's talk a little bit about racing. What do you love about racing? Uh, I love everything about it. I guess um, I, it's just so much different from other sports. I think um, I think it's so different when you throw in like the danger aspect of it, and also 
um, how much you have to sacrifice to do it. I think it raises the competition level that much more. It's one thing if, if you're playing softball or something and you swing and miss, like you might strike out. But in racing, if you miss a mark or something, you could lose your life. And I think that raises um, just like the passion and the dedication of the athletes a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And um, and it creates like a, a very powerful environment across the board. And so I think just as a whole, the racing community is a really cool community to be a part of. And um, it's just a really neat experience because you get involved in I mean there's a business side of it there's an athletic side to it there's obviously the racing side to it um and then there's kind of the entertainment aspect also we are in the entertainment industry so you get to be a part of that as well Mm. and let's talk a little bit about sprint car racing so I'm not as familiar with it I I I have to say, as a lifelong, I'm 51 years old, I've watched a fair amount of car racing, and it comes Formula One and then NASCAR. So there are different genres, drag cars. Can you explain to me exactly what sprint racing is? Sprint car racing is essentially it's a form of open wheel racing, and it's, my car is 720 horse on a 1,500-pound frame. So they're pretty lightweight but really fast, and we go roughly like 120, 130 miles an hour on dirt. Um, but they're like small tracks, so anywhere from like quarter mile to half mile tracks, and um, it's quite like it's different from say like NASCAR that's um, not open wheel, and then like the tracks, even though they're hitting high speeds, they're on um, like one to two mile tracks roughly. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say that's kind of the biggest difference. The races are really short too; they're like fifteen to twenty laps, and um, it's just really it's just like wild. They slide all over the track and. Um, and just all sorts of stuff. And so, McKenna, um, what is it specifically about sprint car racing that you think fits with your strength? Why are you doing that? I realize it might be a geographical answer, but why are you doing that versus any other form of racing? Um, yeah, you're right. Like A lot of it is geographic, I guess, since I did just hop into live there. It also had to do with a lot of what I raced before was pretty similar to sprint cars, just growing up in the, in the levels. That's kind of the path that I was on. But honestly, when I first started going to Knoxville to watch, I never really... Um, thought I would ever end up driving one of them, but I think it, I just wanted to know what it felt like just watching them. Like, I just wanted to try it and see what that felt like. And I think that just is what kept me going because then I wanted to try all the different levels of sprint cars and like I just wanted to keep pushing my limits and seeing how far I could go. And McKenna, your parents were behind you all the way on this journey? Not quite, no. Um, not, not in the beginning. They wanted nothing to do with it. Um, my mom still hates sprint cars, but. Um, my dad, he he likes it now, and he's hooked, and he works on my cars and stuff. But yeah, like it took five years to talk him into it. So um, they were pretty much against it all throughout that for probably obvious reasons, I guess, as a parent. But they eventually gave in. Well, I have a bunch of more questions for you, McKenna. But first, thanks to Slack for supporting our podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making your working lives simpler and more productive. With Slack, you can reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. It allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app. And In fact, we use it here at The Motley Fool, and I do find it very easy and even fun to use. It helps us save time. It improves our productivity here at Full HQ. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or searching through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. Slack is easy and convenient. Works everywhere you go with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly so you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack, it's where work happens. Find out why 
at slack.com. Two more quick questions for you about spring car racing. McKenna, first of all, how many other cars are on the track when you're on the track? And second, how many of them are driven by women? So there's roughly like on average, maybe 80 cars at the track at a night, but there's anywhere from like 20 to 30 in my class. And I'm the only female on a weekly show out of all the classes. Wow. And are you highly conscious of that? Is that a, is that a top of mind thing for you? Or are you just, uh, you know, forgive the phrase, one of the guys? I would say a little bit of both. I mean, I would definitely say at the track that I race at now, um, with that situation, it's definitely more obvious than it's ever been in my career, just because uh, they are really hard on you there, and they kind of uh, whip you into shape, I guess, and, and they don't cut you any slack. Um, and so it's it's actually a relatively harsh environment at times, but um, you just kind of got to tough it out, I guess, and just uh, understand that you're kind of on their territory a little bit and just when you say it's a relatively harsh environment, McKenna, without naming any names, without naming any names, can you tell like an anecdote that just kind of conveys the relative harshness? Oh, man. I mean, you hear the phrase, she's in a man's world a lot. I don't know. I hear that a lot. They're just tough on you, I guess. Like, I don't know. If you're crying, you're not going to get a hug. Like, you know, you're going to get a suck it up type thing. So I guess you don't see a lot of their soft sides or anything like that around you. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to shift to asking you a little bit about the business, because I know you like to think about business. You're an entrepreneur within this sport. But before we go there, McKenna, let me ask, what in your mind has been one or two of your greatest moments so far as a sprint car driver, just from an achievement standpoint? And then, what do you still hope to achieve within the sport going forward from here? Yeah, I mean, like the achievement that I'm probably most known for is being the first female to win a feature at Knoxville. Um, in like 115 years, but I don't say that's not my proudest achievement by any means, but I guess probably my favorite achievement has just been having the opportunity to be a race car driver, like bringing my first race car home when I was 12. Like that was probably one of my biggest achievements just because that was something <laughs> that I never thought I could do. I mean, when I won my first feature at Knoxville at that point, you know, I mean, I was a race car driver at that point, And honestly, like I was closer to that goal than I had been when I wanted to be a race car driver. And so, yeah, I think that was probably one of my favorites. And then just beyond that, I mean, like my third, in terms of wins, my third feature win at Knoxville was probably my favorite just because it was a really exciting race and um, like a really close battle with the second place car. But um, beyond that, my looking forward, I just moved up a level this year in sprint cars. So I would love to be successful at that level. And then also um, I would love to race NASCAR long term. Mm. You know, you're talking about getting started young. Were you driving on a track before you could have a driver's license? Yes. In racing, you can actually kind of start when you're like roughly, I mean, four years old, maybe on average. Um, it's just kind of like any other sport. There's different levels and um, kind of like a little league and stuff like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I was actually, at the time, I was pretty old. Like, everybody made fun of me because I was racing like nine-year-old kids and I was 13, 14 years old. <laughs> I get it. It's a closed track. Um so, Mikhail, let's talk about the business. What have you learned so far about business from your experience with your success in sprint car racing? <laughs> so much. Definitely not stuff that you can learn in school, that's for sure. Um, I, I've learned so much just from, just from the experience and just from uh, every single no that I've ever gotten. Experience is huge. Like, there's no substitute for it, really. It's not about, it's not about what you can achieve. It's about how fast you can achieve it. Um, because if you take your whole life to reach a goal, not that that's not a huge accomplishment, but oftentimes it's about how fast you can get to it. And so with me, I was lucky enough to start working um, when I started my own company when I, was, when I was 13. Now that I'm 20 and I have seven years of experience with that, it's just taught me a whole bunch, just about 
communication, first and foremost, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is just how to communicate and that frequent communication is really important and creating like a culture and being the type of leader that allows you to be the most successful is really important because mm-hmm. if you have a poor leadership style, it doesn't take long to figure out how it affects your company. So I'm thinking about two different things in business for you. First of all, you're an entrepreneur. I want you to talk about what your company is. But you also presumably have sponsors as a driver, and there's just the business of being a driver? Yes. So THR LLC is um, the company that it's my sprint car team, basically. And so with THR, there's kind of two segments that I normally classify, and that's um, the marketing side and then the merchandise segment. And so marketing is what you mentioned with sponsors. And so basically our team's fully funded by sponsorship slash marketing partners. And basically, I mean, I market for them during the week. I do appearances and we do social media campaigns and talk about what marketing goals the company wants to reach mm-hmm. and how we can help them get there. Obviously, each company is different. Their goals are different. And so we just kind of fit the marketing style to each and every individual company. And then um, the other side is the merchandise, which is basically my t-shirts and apparel and all of that. And that's also a huge source of income for us. So both of those uh, segments is what funds my racing. Um, And then the other company is Compass Racing Development, LLC. And that's a youth driver development company for youth race car drivers. And so basically I put together and sell outlaw cars to youth race car drivers. What I was mentioning before, it's like one of the lower levels for kids. And then um, I just like coach and mentor the kids and the parents Mm. and kind of help um, help them with their marketing programs as well in their careers. Well, earlier you talked about how um, being a woman in arguably a man's sport, at least in the past, um, is tough. I'm wondering, though, whether it isn't also somewhat advantageous for you when you're the only woman out there competing at the level and the place that you are. Is that a benefit in terms of getting unique sponsors or being a little bit more differentiated? It is and it isn't. I see it both ways. I think, to me, you kind of have to have the whole package when it comes to that. I don't think that 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 alone would never just do you any good. Um, I think if you were to take a female or a male, and they're both phenomenal marketers and they're both phenomenal on the racetrack, um, I think you're going to see results either way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it it doesn't matter your gender. If you're not good at marketing or if you're not good on the track, it's not going to matter. So, yes, to your point, yes, I do see it both ways, but I think you need kind of that whole package. All right, I want to ask you about investing very shortly, but I know I'm talking to a 20-year-old. McKenna, you are attending university as a college student, are you not? Yes, I go to Drake University, and I'm a finance major. <laughs> so, so you, are, you are racing, you are running, helping with two businesses, and you're also an undergrad. Yes. And you have time for that, and you sleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you make that work? And I assume, since you're not in college this time of year, things are a little bit more relaxed in the summer? Yeah, this is the first time I've been out of school since 2015, because um, I've been going year-round since then. So, ah. Yeah, so I have 78 out of 124 credits down in two years at Drake, and then I'm gonna, I'm kind of going to take a break in the fall. I'm going to be a part-time student. So yeah, that's it's been very difficult, for sure, a huge lifestyle change. But, um, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity, and I'm thankful... Um, I mean, Drake's a phenomenal school, so it's been awesome to get to attend and learn there and um, study under some of those professors and with those kids. It's been great. And what did you mention again your 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 major is? Finance. Finance. Okay, good. So, which is a nice transition to investing. So, McKenna, the way that I first kind of came across you is that you were out there on Twitter, as you are, and you are at McKenna Hasse, H A A S E. 
on Twitter, and I was seeing you connecting with Market Foolery, some of the other Motley Fool podcasts. It was evident that here we had not just a talented young woman and a race car driver, but also a business thinker and an investor. When did you first get interested in the stock market? So I was into the stock market long before racing. Um, I it kind of all began when I kind of when I was a kid, like really little. My neighbors had an orchard in the backyard, and so I'd go and pick all the fruit, and then I'd sell it door to door um, around the neighborhood. And I started doing that, but then like when I'd run out of fruit, I'd like start selling like whatever else I could find. So like you name it, I probably sold it like dog treats, <laughs> batteries, like all sorts of weird stuff, um, walk dogs, and. Um, so I did that. Oh, my favorite was probably I sold hand sanitizer outside of porta potties for nice. like a quarter a squirt, and I'd make seventy bucks a weekend <laughs> um, doing that until I got shut down by the sports complex. So um, just little things like that. But then, like once a I got rule older, breaker, you're a rule like, breaker. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, quite the rebel. Um, <laughs> so I ended up like once I got a little bit older, you know, like that's not cute anymore. Like people buy whatever when you're little, but once you get older, like they quit buying stuff. So, um, I decided, so I started studying the stock market when I was like in third grade and, um, I started following that. And then when I was in middle school, I created, um, like a fake million dollar portfolio from off my dad's coworkers account. And so I did that. And then once I got like right into high school, that's when I fell in love with Warren Buffett and I started following Buffett and then, um, found the monthly school and did all that. And that's when I created my own real portfolio with my money that I had saved from all the years of selling stuff. If you're comfortable sharing it, would you mention a few of your favorite companies or stocks, or maybe some big winners for you so far? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Casey General Stories, um, Intel, Starbucks, um, Target and TJX, I know they've had kind of a rise, but two of my favorites still. Um, my, one of my new favorites is actually Alamo. I love that company. so. Um, what do you love about yeah, it? That's the rental car, right? We're talking Alamo? No, Alamo, not the rental car. Alamo, ah. They provide like equipment for infrastructure, and they, um, like, they have some governmental contracts and whatnot, but uh-huh. they, um, it's like owners of like, Ditch Witch is under, under that banner and just some of those other equipment companies, but they are just a great, I mean, kind of like a Buffett-style company, um, headquartered out of Texas, like, great management team. All right, yes, Alamo Industrial, I got it. And I'm sorry that I was so naive to think... I'm not even sure Alamo Rental Car is probably owned by somebody else and it's not a public company, but I'm constantly learning myself because there's so many interesting companies out there. So, I heard heard some certainly some retail-oriented companies, but McKenna, what would you say in terms of your style or strategy as an investor, if you were just conveying that to, let's say, a class of kids explaining how you invest? Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know how I forgot Berkshire B on that list, but definitely, um, (laughs) that's also one of my favorites in my portfolio. And so, I would say like 99% of my philosophy has come from Graham and Buffett both. And I'm actually, like my racing's partnered with a Berkshire company. And so, Hmm. even just through working with them, like some of the values they've instilled in me too. Um, Obviously, like that long-term value approach, good management team, um, good earnings, like not a lot of debt. been around for a while. Uh, I mean, dividends here and there, I guess. Yep. Just a uh, circle of competence too, obviously. Yep. Um, is important to me as well. Sounds like sounds like you can sleep pretty well at night with the companies that you're invested in, or you could spend a whole summer away from your portfolio and still feel pretty good about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done it both ways. It just seems like my worst performance have always been the ones where I've strayed from my philosophy, I guess, and, and ones that I know Buffett wouldn't be proud of me for investing in. So <laughs> um, it can be difficult, though, to stick to that, for sure. Like, I definitely see where it can be easy to try and follow the crowd and, and do things like that. But, I mean, a company like Alamo is a perfect example where most people don't even know what it is. But I, when I first um, found it, it was at 63, and now it's up in the 90s and so it's just kind of one of those hidden away companies and i think those are the ones you gotta look for that's really interesting yeah i mean i'm on their website right now alamo industrial one of the world's largest manufacturers of tractor mounted mowers among other things this is a pretty large industrial company but yeah very cool so mckenna having gotten to know you a little bit better on this week's podcast i've i realize i'm speaking to somebody who's unique you are um a young woman racing uh you are also an undergraduate student while you're a young woman racing who's also running two businesses. And we've also learned you are a big Buffett fan. You're a stock market investor. And in particular, that last point is of interest, of course, to us here at The Motley Fool. I'm curious, how many other kids your age, how many other 20-year-olds, not really kids anymore, are picking stocks? Well, I was elected president of the Drake Investment Club this year. And so, through that, I've been able to see more and more, for sure. Um, in that environment. Excellent. Um, and I think, I mean, a lot of it just starts with, I think, promoting the feasibility of it that I don't think a lot of people recognize and giving people the confidence to invest just because, you know, Robinhood has yep. probably ha- helped immensely with that. It's easy on a college campus to convince, you know, people just to, like you said, start with what you know and a large cap, solid stock and company that you're proud to own a piece of mm-hmm. and, and start there. And I think that's helped a ton. I mean, even with my driver development program, I've had a couple of my kids start their own portfolios. And I think that's just the biggest thing is just like outreach and helping them understand the simplicity of it and not making it too complex. That's great. Of course, Robinhood, maybe not familiar to every rule breaker investing listener, but Robinhood, um, a mobile app, a very popular way to get started investing, a discount broker through your mobile phone and very accessible, as you're mentioning, McKenna. And you're also reminding me, I'll frequently see pictures of you on Twitter hanging out with kids, younger kids, mentoring. I'm sure you're a hero to many. Uh, and and that's just a wonderful thing to think that you're also president of the Drake Investing Club. Um, I, I love it. I love it. And you have a lot to show us here at the Motley Fool in terms of how to reach out to people and get them excited and start investing. Uh, let me shift in our precious time left to since it is the week of July Fourth. Um, I'm thinking in particular about Independence Day and about America. And I know you have some. You probably have a great viewpoint coming from, well, your native state of Iowa, uh, but somebody who's now seeing increasing parts of the country. You're meeting a lot of Americans. I'm curious, this is a conversation we've had before on this podcast. When you think about the core values of our country, the United States of America, what one, two, or three words or thoughts come to mind that you think kind of represent all Americans? Oh, man, I would have to go with dreams and big dreams at that. I think, um, I think it's been incredible to. Like, just go across the country and see, see, like, just what people are doing and that people don't even realize, especially with, um, kind of our younger generations too, that I don't think a lot of people recognize. I think I spent a lot of time with, you know, um, people a lot older than, than me and stuff, and a lot of them aren't quite as hopeful for the, the future of the country and our next generations. And, um, that's been one thing that college has actually introduced me to is just how much, I mean, the kids that are growing up in the information era, it's incredible, like what they'll be able to produce and um, what they're trying to produce. And not all of them. I mean, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, and I mean, you've got these kids coming from these small towns, going on to 
big places to do big things. And, um, and I think that's a huge part of America. And I think um, it's amazing that our country has given them the opportunity to do that. Mm. And so um, I think that's just the biggest thing is like hope and faith in the future that some of these kids have and um, just their aspirations. They're never going to stop. I mean, it's like Warren Buffett's always said, it's worked since 1776 and it's not, it's not going to stop anytime soon. And I think people often forget that. I think with every disadvantage, you're going to see something good come out of it as well. Um, mm. And through like a company like Berkshire Hathaway Energy, um, I've been able to work with them and something where it's like just new ways of doing things that people would have never guessed like 30, 40, 50 years ago. And so I think, um, I think that's what's exciting is to be able to look around and to know that like everything in this world that we've created and that's not going to stop. So double underlining the American dream from somebody who I think is living that dream herself. McKenna, thank you so much for spending a little time with us this week at Rule Breaker Investing. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Good luck. All right. Well, there's one rule breaker I think we should all keep an eye on going forward. Speaking of going forward, let's talk about next week's show. It was about a year ago that Britain voted leave. And while that wasn't the subject of any podcast and won't be for next week, it did inspire a list of stocks that I picked a year ago shortly after Brexit. So next week, we're going to review what those five stock picks were, see how they've done, and learn together. In the meantime, you can check out past episodes of Rule Breakers, all of the Motley Fool's podcasts at our podcast center. Just go to podcasts.fool.com. And while you're there, you can check out our flagship service. That's Motley Fool Stock Advisor. A new issue of Stock Advisor comes out the third Friday of every month with two new stock recommendations from me and my brother, Tom Gardner. You can check it out by going to the podcast center and scroll to the bottom of the page. That's podcasts.fool.com. Till next week, Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.